Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Hello. How are you? Glad to know you could hear me because I am trying something very terrifying today, as promised when my microphone crapped out me on yesterday's R&R for the 50,000th time. No more, Blue Yeti Nano. You are kicked to the curb. Bye-bye. Hovering right over my head right now is an old road mic, a shotgun mic that I totally forgot that I had from back before I switched over to doing everything with webcams and recording with this. I still had some actual shotgun mics that used to be on the top of my camcorders. So I got that out last night and hooked it up and it seems to be working. But you folks tell me, do I sound okay? Are we good to go? Fingers crossed, I will never have audio drop out mysteriously in the middle of the live stream again. And if I do, then I don't know what to say, because at that point, I will have adjusted everything. New computer, new cables, new microphone, uh, new software, everything. So, fingers crossed. Okay. Um, And... What the heck? Uh, we're just going to wait a little bit for folks to show up who might have only just saw I posted on Twitter and every place else that we're live. So, oh, I see I see a question. Um, am I going to review or play Foundations of Rome? I would really like to check it out. It seems so cool. But honestly, I don't see any reason to because as I understand it, it is never going to be available at retail, right? It was only it was a total 100% Kickstarter exclusive. And so I never really reached out to the publisher to say, hey, could I cover this? Because I'd only be rubbing salt in the wounds for people who can't get it. Maybe if it goes on Kickstarter again somewhere down the road, if I'm thinking this is like the really big over-the-top production, right, from Arcane Wonders, a uh, gigantic box, tons of bajillions of minis, I would definitely love to play it, but um, no, it is not on the list of things to do. These things here are potentially on the list of things to do because uh, before we get going with the top 10 of 2021 recap, I figured I'd uh, pass the time unboxing some stuff for you folks. So how about you pick what to open? Let's see, I'm just going to make a poll right now. What to open. Okay, what have we got? We have got Voices in My Head, which is still the one I would like to see because I just want to see how this little um, dexterity shelf plastic acrylic thing works. What the? Paula Deming? Hey, Paula. How are you? Thanks for rating. Um, did you have a nice show? I hope your morning is going well. And uh, hello, everybody. Here's what we're going to be doing today. I'm just going to do a quick unboxing of one of these you folks are going to choose what it's going to be with a little poll, and then I'm going to talk about the games of 2021, an update. I, I always do a preliminary top 10 of 2021 on Christmas Day. All the recent, I've been, uh, last year I did it on Christmas Eve. But I always promise that, hey, there's so many games I haven't played yet, I'll revisit halfway through the next year. Here we are. I'm going to give my definitive list now. Fingers crossed, hopefully. Anyway, so what are we going to unbox? Voices in my head. Everybody lies, or it's Batman. Everybody lies. Batman. Everybody 
lies, which is probably the least interesting thing to open because, as I understand, it's just going to be a bunch of cards and books because it's a, you know, a narrative adventure murder mystery thing. Let's see, Crescent Moon. I know nothing about this. I don't know why they sent this to me because it's a, a minimum four-player asymmetric war game. Like I'm ever going to play it. This is basically, um, both of these actually are just going to be going um, down south to Vegas to the Dice Tower West Library. So they'll be playable at the next convention. I don't think I'm going to be covering either of these. But hey, I might open one today. And then Dinosaur World, which I know came out last year. I'm very, very late to the party on this, but I only just recently got a copy, and it's full of dinosaurs. Maybe it's old news. Maybe nobody cares. But I'm going to do a quick unboxing of one of these four. The poll begins. You have two minutes to vote, everybody. Hello. And uh, then we will see what we will see. Uh, you know, and after I've done with the unboxing, we'll get on with the show. So while you are voting, I have no idea what it is you're going to pick. Let's see here. Um... Flash Burn just asked, have I played Dune, House Secrets? Curious, since Everybody Lies uses the same system. Personally, we didn't care for House Secrets, but enjoyed the Detective series. I have not played... I we Jen and I played a little bit of the original Detective from, what is it, Portal Games. And it really just wasn't our thing. I, I It seemed well done, but we're just not interested in working together to solve mysteries. Uh, we'd much rather build cities or rescue people or go on adventures um so no i have not played anything since the original detective we didn't even finish the first mission i do not know why portal sent this to me like i said that's why it and is is just gonna after if we unbox it today it will um then go to either way it's gonna go to dice tower west library it's just a question of whether it'll go in shrink or not plus i mean how could i do a run-through of this a, a run-through of this would just be nothing but spoilers I tried to find out if they had like some kind of convention version mission that you could use that I could spoil instead of the actual content of this game. I mean, if I open this, I'm not going to spoil it right now other than just so, oh, look, here's the components you get. Uh, so, nope, uh, has not been something that has jumped out at me. By the way, folks, um, I see Linus Cabal, this is not your first rodeo, because you um, have prefaced your question with a question mark. Folks, if you have any questions for me and you do not want me to miss them, because after I'm done with the top ten countdown, I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna AMA for as long as you folks ask me questions. Uh, in in past years, it's gone for like over an hour. We'll see. But if you want me to see your questions, start your question with a question mark because that puts it in a special queue so that I cannot miss the question. Um, let's see. And okay, I assume the voting is done by now. Crescent Moon wins. Wow. I figured for sure it was going to be dinosaurs. You folks are going to be... But I guess this is old news, right? So, I'm sorry, voices in my head. I will play you someday. I'm really keen to try this one because after the fact, even though it's officially a three to six player game, they have come up with a new two player variant, an official one. So I really want to give this a go. A mix of courtroom drama and dexterity. Why would I want to try that? Uh, uh, Batman, everybody lies, including me. There's no unboxing for you. Dinosaur Island. This thing is so huge. This is ridiculously heavy. And its contents remain a secret. Spoiler, there were a lot of dinosaurs in there. Okay. Crescent Moon, eh? Let's go to the overhead. The overhead. Alrighty. From Steve Mathers and Naveed Rahman. As the sun sets over the deserts, rivers, and oases of the caliphate, delicate of delicate balance has been upset. 
<clears throat> as one of many rival powers in the region, you now have the opportunity to alter the course of history and seize power for yourself. The ambitious Sultan sits on a golden palace, presiding over great works of architecture. The secretive uh, Murshid works to uh, cover, uh, to, to covertly undermine the central authorities through an expansive network of agents. The wandering tribes of the nomads aim to sow discord in order to secure employment uh, for their experienced mercenary citizenry. The ravaging forces of the warlords sweep across the land, chasing after promises of plunder, and in the face of chaos and uncertainty, uh, the caliph aims to preserve order through military might. Will you successfully navigate this web of rivalries and rise to prominence, or will you squabble with your lesser adversaries and fade into obscurity. Crescent Moon is an area control game for four to five players. Take on the role of one of five radically different asymmetrical characters, each with their own objectives to fulfill, unique actions to utilize, and game-changing special powers to employ. Build symbiotic relationships with your allies, undermine your rivals, and choose your friends and enemies wisely in this cutthroat game of power and politics. Sounds pretty cool, right? I will not be playing it because it doesn't work for two, and even if it did, I wouldn't want to play it. But all that asymmetry sounds pretty, pretty cool. Let's take a look. Very pretty box. Um, really, very colorful. Quite lovely. Okay, there is not too surprisingly a rule book. Uh, full of historical notes. This takes place amid the dramatic rise and fall of the powers of the Middle East of the 10th century and onward. Um, right. So that's actually all very, very interesting. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And, oh, always nice to have a quick reference on the back page of the manual. Always drives me nuts. Variable setup rules. All right, so different maps you can lay out. Attributes of the different characters. How many pages is this thing? This is, uh, looks like 20-some pages of rules with a fairly small type. So probably a fairly heavy game with a lot to learn. All righty. And then, okay, looks like... Ah, players, because this is so asymmetrical, they get their own little booklets. This is interesting. Two. I wonder, I guess two players can play as the Mershit. And, um, so this is just like an initial summary. Oh, hey, um, thank you for subscribing, uh, Romano Dog with Prime. I hope you enjoyed the show. You just unlocked some benefits for yourself. If you scroll down at the bottom... You will see like a 20% off Rotto merchandise if you ever wanted to wear a shirt of mine or um, getting to know where the secret words are without having to actually find them in the weekly R&R. In a few minutes, a little Steam or stream avatar will show up with your name. You can walk around and uh, challenge people to duels and such. All right. Uh, oh, let's see. And who else? I think I heard somebody else. Uh, Mad Lunatic also subscribing. Thank you. Um, Mad Lunatic and Romano Dog. What else have we got here? Okay, yeah. So, those are the new subs. Thanks for following. Again, thanks to Paula. I'm sure you've moved on with your day, but uh, thanks for for sharing your audience. This should be fun. All right. The Sultan has their own special rules. The Nomad has their own special rules and reference sheet, as does the Warlord. Okay. Oh, and then the Caliph. All right. Alrighty, and then we've got the punch board. Okay, so I think I saw this set up. These are these things go up at the top of the board, and they are like card holders for card drafting characters, I believe. So these all spread out like that. We've got a whole bunch of very easily punchable tokens. Uh, don't seem to be any hanging chads. That's all very nice. Another one of these. So the space for cards gets even bigger and even bigger still. Although, okay, this one. 
does not look like it goes on either side. So maybe it sits, the Sultan's Market sits off on its own. And then we've got a thing to keep track of. Action! What action phase win? Well, apparently, there's a lot to do every round with three steps to the preparation phase, four steps to the action phase, and then a scoring phase. Alrighty, and then what else have we got? Oh, we've got a year tracker. So I guess the game takes place over four years or four rounds. Okay. So that's a whole bunch of punchy punch cardboard. Here's a whole bunch of pieces. Looks like they're made out of wood. Looks like they are... I don't think these are silkscreened. I think these feel like uh, stickers, transparent, translucent stickers that have been placed on by hand so players don't have to do any of that work. Yeah, these are definitely not silkscreened. I can kind of see the reflection of on the, the stickers. Alrighty, so it looks like a whole bunch of buildings in each player's characters to, uh, to claim territory for themselves because it is an asymmetric war game, it says. And then there's some little tiny buildings. Oh, they're also... All pre-stickered. Very, very nice. Okay, and then some camels. Everybody needs camels on their side. And more camels. Okay, so that's all of that. Let's put all that back in the box as we continue with the unboxing of... What's this called? Crescent Moon. All right, then what else have we got? Ooh, we've got some very nice, looks like very plush bags. Is this a bag building game? I bet it might be. Looks like there's a bag for every player. Yep. So, you're putting something in those bags and pulling them out to some kind of warfare randomizer. That's all very nice. These are really thick. These are much higher quality than normal game bags, I have to say. I mean, these feel like, these feel like canvas, almost. Alrighty. And then we've got um, a whole bunch of tiles. So apparently, this is the world we fight over. All right. Oh, there's a river. A river runs through it. How does that work? All right. Wee, wee. I'm not quite sure how this river goes. We'll say it like that. And then some more farmlands. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. There were a whole bunch of suggested maps in the back. I imagine that's all very nice, but here's what a map might look like, let's say. And then there's, oh, there's some more terrain. And then you saw all the pieces that we are expanding and exploring. And then finally, most importantly, the cards. All right, let's take a look at those. Wow, these are very thick. Uh, these... Uh, oh, I bet you these would be wonderful to riffle shuffle, but I will not do it because I know it drives some people nuts. Alrighty. So, nice looking cards indeed. I forgot. Did I set my close up? Yeah, okay, we're in focus. So, uh, alright, there's a whole bunch of cards assassin cards. There's some intimidation. Interesting. I mean, these cards are very simple. Couple of icons. Very uh, simple, straightforward actions. Oh, wait, no, I take that back. Here's a slightly more complex action to do with the character. Let's look at some uh, different color cards as a general. All right, uh, ongoing power plus combat abilities. Cavalry, siege engines, and imam. And, uh, right, the cavalry! Watch out, they spit. Anybody know what that quote is from? Of course you do, of course you do. All right, an elder and, oh, Scary Ravenger, and yeah. Oh, and then, this is probably pretty handy, a uh, reminder of the breakdown of a combat sequence. 
a reminder of the breakdown of an influence contest. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. So there we go, folks. We have successfully unboxed a game. Not the one I would have thought you wanted to see. Certainly one I will sadly never play. Although, and I do love the idea of asymmetry. Why does asymmetry have to keep showing up in war games? How about more games like um, Free Radicals? A uh, Euro uh, simulation where we build a better world. And we play asymmetrically rather than trying to kill each other asymmetrically. But hey, you know. Asymmetry is going to asymmetry, right? Okay, so, as promised, that was one unboxing. <clears throat> now we have to move on to the actual show that we are here to do. So, my sound hasn't dropped out yet. That is very good. If you showed up late, folks, I have uh, said goodbye to my old blue Yeti Nano, which just didn't seem to be reliable anymore, and I'm trying a road mic, a shotgun mic right now. So far, so good. If... If, during this live, as I start doing my countdown of the top ten, if my sound would go out, you folks in the chat can get my attention by scrolling down uh, you know, below the main video. There's a bunch of stuff down there. There's reminders of the benefits you get for subscribing and how you can subscribe for free if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. There are... Um, oh, I forget. What all do I have down there? No, I can't even think of what I have if you if you scroll below the video. Or if you're on a mobile, I know you can get to it because there's some little side menu you can pop up. What do I actually give everybody access to? Right, it is... Oh, all right, I remind everybody, if you have questions for me for the end of the show, start your question with a question mark instead of ending with a question mark. So it'll go in the queue. Oh, uh, a reminder of all the commands you've got. Hey, everybody who's been subscribing. Did I hear somebody else subscribe? Um, Tones my bones! Welcome to the party, pal! Um, it's a party going on down there, and your Tones My Bones avatar should be showing up very soon. And there's a list of all the commands you can do with your avatars. Including, um, the longer you watch, you will start passively earning gold that you can use to customize your avatar and stuff like that. And uh, But the most important thing is the stickers. It, on the second page of stickers, there is... Or the third page, I'm sorry. I can set you up the bomb. If my sound goes out... If um, somebody or multiple people could go to page three and hit me with the bomb, that's I will hear it in my ear and I will know to stop so I can fix what has gone horribly wrong. Also, if there's uh, something else really important that um, you guys are shouting at me like... I don't know, something other than sound going out. Uh, you can, on the first page, there's... Listen. That will get my attention as well. And um, I used to charge pennies for these, but I'm giving them away free now. So uh, if there's something really important that has gone wrong, hey, listen, if my sound has gone out, hit me with the bomb. Because what's going to happen, folks, is I am actually now going to start recording. And I'm going to treat this like a regular top 10. Um, uh, uh, during this time, I will not be interacting with you, the audience. But if you watch and have questions, throw the, put those questions in the queue, and I will do a Q&A afterwards. But while I'm actually recording, this is going to be on screen. Did I hit it? F12? There it is. That's going to be on screen as a reminder that um, during the actual recording, I will not be doing any back and forth with the audience. Because it's like I'm actually doing a live performance that I'm going to take and put on YouTube tomorrow. Um, so it's, 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 it's still a live stream, but with a little bit less back and forth. But before that, oh, good vibes. Thank you very much. Uh, got trunks. 712. Good vibes to you, I can only say. Before we get going, though, let's go on ahead and see if there are any outstanding uh, issues that have come up 
Let's see. I see Nimdok was asking, what game was that? It was Crescent Moon. That was answered. Alrighty. Oh, thank you, Wes Lloyd. I was, in fact, quoting Aladdin, um, uh, which I thought was actually pretty good. Um, not everybody dug it, but I thought it was, uh, uh, or, or no, I'm sorry, no. I was quoting the original Aladdin. I'm actually curious. I'm not curious. I'm curious. I like the new Aladdin. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was mostly frowned upon. I really liked the new take on Jafar. They made him a more human character. They made him more of a reflection, the, you know, the opposite side of the coin to Aladdin. I kind of like that stuff, but it seems like most people did not care for it. Um, LS, do you say audio is not in sync? Does anybody else say audio is not in sync? More to the point, um, I just realized why aren't, um, oops, that's the wrong thing. Where are you? Why alerts? What is going on? Huh. I cannot get alerts on screen. And when, when I'm, I'm actually pushing the button that puts people's uh, quotes on screen and they're not appearing. Why is that? Well, okay, okay, so the old system works, but the new system is not working. Why would that be? I'm going to refresh. So, um, of course, it's a live stream. Of course, things start going wrong. Okay, LS says, uh, no uh, misstreaming now. But look at that. Those are not appearing on screen. I just tried to put LS's comment on screen, and it didn't appear. Before we get going, I would like to fix that. So how do I fix that? I hit this. I go to my alerts thing. This is called what? This is called um, feature.chat. Why is feature.chat not show? Well, look, it's just hidden. Why is feature.chat hidden? There it is. I have no idea. I have no idea why that happened, but I'm glad I caught it now. Although, again, I'm not going to be doing a lot of back and forth with people during the actual countdown itself. But before we get going, let's see. I am glad that the sync is now else I keep getting confused. Oh, uh, Linus Cabal is confused because there's an LS in the uh, chat as well. The new Aladdin was fine. Yeah, it's you can't beat the original. I'm sure for most folks, it's a, you know, a huge part of your childhood, right? I guess really the question is, 20 years from now, after you have uh, another couple of generations um, you know, who have grown up, what will Aladdin be for them? Will the live-action Aladdin be what they grew up with as opposed to um, the original. Although, of course, you cannot beat... It's impossible to beat Robin Williams. All right. Um, oh, I see that Wesseloid was uh, hitting the slots with his stream avatar and actually won big. Stay away from the slots in real life, but definitely gamble to your heart's content with your stream avatar to get more customization gold, folks. I heartily recommend it. All righty. Um... Do, do, do. A Kerslinger says, I would like to see a component storage walkthrough. Uh, the thought behind how I split each component into each baggie. You know what? I have actually done that. I think that's actually a good idea. Some game, maybe the next time I do a live thing like this, rather than doing a, an unboxing, I'll do a reboxing of something. That's not a bad idea. I kind of like it. Kerslinger. All right. Um, oh, my. So, I think we got 108 viewers. So, I think we have delayed long enough. We've been going for 20 minutes now, and I think we can wait no longer. So, folks, uh, wait, doesn't just uh, dump most things together. No, I, I don't. I, I don't do that. I actually, I do some division. I, I'm not an Eric Martin-style uh, reboxing monster, but I do tend to put, I, I you know, 
I don't know. I, 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 I'm sure it's a good topic that I could demonstrate. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I, I like baggies. I, I put a lot of the I put a lot of similar things. Basically, if there's going to be a big pile of money, and then there's also a big pile of status tokens, and they're both, during gameplay, just big piles that I go to every once in a while, I'll just throw all of those in one bag. And the next time I play, I'll just open the bag and just spill them all into one big pile. Because I don't need to have them in two separate piles. I, I don't see the point of that. I mean, because they're both going to be things that, oh, every once in a while, somebody has to go dig through the pile to get what they want. So why not put it in one pile? So, I mean, that's kind of my consolidation stuff. Okay, so I see um, that people are starting to put questions at the beginning of their questions. Excellent. That means we'll hit them at the end of the show because it is now time time to go. Time for the show. Which um, means I'll do, hey everybody, today Rod will run through his top 10. Oh wait, oh, I did not set up my, uh, let's see, I gotta set this up. Uh, today is not sponsored by Arcane Wonders. The show we did yesterday was sponsored by Arcane Wonders. I need to update this box art. Um, and instead say that what we're doing today is that. There we go. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Uh, it doesn't quite fit. Why not? Why don't you fit? Why don't you fit? Right-click, transform, stretch to screen. No, okay, it is fitting. All right, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so I'm going to be doing the... Hey, everybody, today Rado updates his top 10 games of 2021, and hello, how are you doing? So, okay, and then I'm just going to do... It's it's a list of 10. I'm going to talk a little bit up front uh, about how I, you know, I do my initial list, and, and, you know, as a Christmas gift to everybody, and then I do my final list a few months later after I've played everything, and then I'm just going to... Talk about 10 games. I believe I have them all queued up. Let's confirm that's okay. Although it means there will be a spoiler for you folks. Let me make sure the browser is working. Da-da-da-da! Atonal Sensor, thank you for subscribing with Prime. By the way, folks, I notice a lot of channels on Twitch put up progress meters. And they just say, oh, we need this many followers and this many subscribers. And they never say why. I say why. You can see right up there. We are only... What are we? Uh, six followers away from unlocking a bonus top ten that I will do this month. And the way I do top tens is very interesting. I do it as a live collaborative process with you, the audience. We all work together, and then I film the top ten and put it on YouTube. Six more followers, and we will unlock that. Maybe we will unlock it today, and I'll have to film it later this month. We're a ways off. I need a bunch more subscribers. To, uh, we unlock another RVR where, well, Gaviola and I do a head-to-head, uh, -head, and we usually try to involve the audience. And then I've got a long way to go before I unlock a bonus uh, run-through. We just unlocked a run-through, like, last week. So, uh, the... Uh, the tally is starting to refill. And this is the bits tally, this is the followers tally, and this is the uh, subscriber. Although I should say, this is bits, or if anybody is interested in Rotto merch, you know, um, that stuff goes into this. So, well, you know, uh, probably in a few months, this will fill up again, and I will do another bonus run through that month. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And thanks for following everybody. We're getting so close. Unfortunately, I should warn you right now that if in fact we do hit this, Nothing is going to happen. I, 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 as far as I know, um, this little uh, Streamlabs uh, plugin has no cool little, oh, you hit the mark. Let's put up a fireworks display or something like that. So um, it'll just silently happen in the background. Um, all right, let's see here. Oh, I oh, ah, stop hitting that. Let's see, coming back over here. I'm really new to Twitch. Longtime Patreon supporter. Thank you, uh, Gadam Gray. Uh, follow, subscribe stuff in addition to that. If you are a subscriber, or I'm sorry, if you 
are a supporter of the show on Patreon, pretty much all of the benefits that you would get for subscribing on Twitch, you already have. Like, um, uh, Gadamgray, contact me through Patreon using the direct messaging in Patreon and, um, and tell me what your log, well, it's Gadamgray, what your login on Twitch is, and I will add to you to a list so that you will have a little stream avatar walking around. You, by being, even if you're just a $1 a month backer on Patreon, get 20% off all, um, you know, Rotto merch. You get, uh, the, uh, oh, what do you call it? The, you know, the, the, the free, um, sneak peek is where the secret words are, so they're not hard to find in the R&R show. You get all of that. The only thing, if you subscribe today, you'll, you'll get all the regular bonuses you have, plus there will be no ads. Uh, because if you subscribe to a channel on Twitch, you don't have to watch ad breaks. Although I, there's only an ad break at the beginning of the show and none afterwards. I don't, I don't interrupt with ad breaks throughout. So, um, that answers that question, which is me doing Q&A before the show. I'm doing the Q&A after the show. So, um, like I said, folks... Let's see here. In fact, oh, I can see we are starting to build up some questions. Um, ask your questions with a question mark at the beginning. We'll get to them at the end of the show. One question I am definitely going to ask all of you, since I will have just finished talking about my favorite 2021 games is, I want to hear from you folks in the Q&A afterwards. What did I miss? What games should I have had? What were your favorites? But we'll save that for the end of the show. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think everything is good. I've got my screen set up. My audio still hasn't failed. I'm kind of waffling. I'm, I'm just kind of stretching out a little bit to see if my audio fails. I want to fail before I start recording. But it looks like it's okay. Um, and uh, Gadam Gray says, let's go. You got it. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Okay. So come back over here. <clears throat> Get one last sip of water. And sit back, relax, folks, and enjoy the ride. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everybody, today Rotto runs through his top 10 games of 2021 revisited. And what do I mean by that? Well, every year, just in time for the holidays, just in time for Christmas, I like to put up a preliminary top 10 games uh, that I had played that year. And I've already done that for 2021. If you'd like to watch my preliminary video, you can hit that eye in the top right corner screen or go follow the links down in the show notes. But the thing is, as of Christmas Day, or Boxing Day, or you know wh whatever day is of interest to you, as of the end of December in a given year, there's generally a lot of games I have yet to play. I haven't been able to get to the table, they haven't come through the door yet, and so I always know there's a chance that um, there's going to be more, which is why I call that first list the preliminary list. This, what we're doing today is the finalist. I am streaming it live on Twitch on the 11th of May, 2022. I played a whole bunch more games, and I'm feeling pretty, pretty confident um, that this is going to be my final answer list for the absolute best games of a phenomenal gaming year. 2021, it was a lot of things, and a lot of those things were absolutely terrible, but one thing it was not was a bad year for games. There were a lot of really great things, and if I recall correctly, if you've seen my original preliminary list, um, there are now four new games on the list, so that means a few games have been kicked out from previous 
from the uh, uh, list I did. So, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with those four games. Those four games were phenomenal. It's just there happened to be other ones that were even more phenomenal. Although, actually, uh, just as a, a quick addendum, Furnace was um, in my preliminary list because when I did my preliminary list in, in December, Furnace was listed as a 2021 game. It has since been updated on Board Game Geek to actually be a 2020 game. So Furnace is not on my list anymore. Furnace is now retroactively in my top 10 games of 2020. So, but we're not we're not adjudicating my 2020 list right now. We're doing my final 2021 list. That's where Furnace went. Three other wonderful games got pushed out to make room for four new games. And um, let's get going, shall we, folks? Right then, let me start with the first game on my list, number 10 game of the year. Again, in an amazing year, was Corrosion. Okay, and. Why, oh why, did I enjoy this game so very much? Uh, well, basically, it is an engine-building game, which I tend to really enjoy, uh, which for folks who don't know means it is a game where you as a player set up various components that will kind of activate somewhat autonomously. You create an engine that will run uh, or you can purposely run it, or it'll run on its own sometimes, and that will lead you to success. This game is set in a Victorian-era steampunk universe fantasy factory, where I'm trying to build all kinds of machines to basically convert goods into victory points. But the problem is, it's a steampunk world, it is a very steamy factory, and it's full of steam. And over time, all of the um, components for the machines that I'm building will corrode, hence the name Corrosion. And so the passage of time in this game is hugely important because it um, will ultimately destroy my engine. Everything I've invested in, everything I've built will eventually, um, you know, just uh, rust away to nothing. There's no getting around that. Um, and at the other hand, though, I actually have, uh, this is a, uh, a, 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 there's a light deck building element to this game too in addition to the engine building and um so i've got this hand of cards to represent all my employees and every turn i play one of those employees they actually go out on the board i do whatever the action is and then they stay on the board i want to get those employees back in my hand as fast as i can but they won't come back in my hand until a certain amount of time passes so i want time to pass so i can get my cards back but at the same time i do not want time to pass because i don't want all of my components to corrode away to nothing so that creates the fundamental um, conflict. And the interesting thing about this game is time does not pass automatically. It passes when I choose to let it pass. When I purposely spend energy to move the, um, the, uh, the clock forward. Every time I do it, I know I'm destroying stuff, but that I'm also generating stuff. And so the trick to this game is, it's a very, very clever game, is all about trying to keep those two things in balance and harmony. The game comes with a brilliant um, system for objectives, uh, quite unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's uh, a really fun multi-layer thing. You've got lots of different strategies you can pursue. There are different types of engines you can build that function in different ways. There's these very cool chrome pieces that won't corrode, that if you invest a lot of time and energy, you can make non-corroding things. Really, really cool game. Like it a lot. My number 10 of the year, Corrosion. Okay, then we move on to number 9, Unsettled. Now, this is one that I did not talk about in my preliminary. I've since played it. And 
wow, this game is a deep space exploration, adventure, narrative, uh, cooperative, Euro resource management style game. These are all buzzwords that were pretty much designed, if they were all put in a box, to make me fall in love with it, and I really, really did. Um, The game has a lot of really interesting stuff going on, because we are in effectively a lost-in-space scenario. We are a ship full, not of soldiers, not of naval officers. We are a ship full to the brim of scientists. And we are lost in space. We are trying to find our way home, and we crash land. Every time you play, you crash land on a different planet. The base game comes with two planets. There have been several expansions that add more planets. For each planet, there are three different scenarios you can play through. The game has tons and tons of replayability. Uh, So don't worry if you hear, oh, there's only two planets in the box. There's tons of replayability. The same mission on the same planet will play radically different every time you play. The same way, Pandemic will play very differently every time you play, even though you're always going against four. I I just want to mention that because when I put my video up, a lot of people said, well, what's the replayability with only two planets? The replayability is high, high, high. Because what is this? This is a fight for survival. Because these planets, um, I've actually played several of them now, are truly alien in the best sense of the word. Uh, They feel completely unlike anything we experience. Um, you, know, you know how I love Star Trek. I'm a lifelong fan of Star Trek. But every time uh, my, uh, you know, my uh, Starfleet officers uh, you know, beam down to a new planet, it always looks a lot like Earth. Hey, there it turns out there's trees everywhere in the galaxy. Um, on every TV show, every movie. Not here. If you go to a swampy bog environment um, in Unsettled, it feels truly foreign and alien. In fact, you can see that in my run-through. I demonstrated going to the, the equivalent of a Dagobah swampy planet. But you immediately are just... I have, Every planet I've played on here, I'm blown away by the sheer raw creativity on display. That these things truly feel unique and different and alien and dangerous. This game, from step one, is trying to kill you any way it can. And so, players are under a lot of stress, and the main driving factor of this game is we have these really cool chunky dice that represent three stats. And I love these stats. I forget what they were, though. Um, But they're not not fighting. Um, They're not hit points. They are, if I recall correctly, um, bravery and imagination and creativity. It's not those three, but it's something like those. Really positive, upbeat attributes. Because our solution to every problem in this game is to never build a gun, never engage in a firefight. We always science the bleep out of everything in this game. We study, we research, and we develop technologies that will keep us alive. It is the best of humanity on display in this game in an incredibly fun and treacherous and tension-filled cooperative experience with tons of replayability and again creativity like I've never seen before. Jen and I were both completely blown away. And then on top of everything else, it's got an amazing presentation. Wonderful art, really great components. Um, Yeah, it's number nine of the year, Unsettled. Good, good stuff. Now we move on to number eight. Dungeon Decorators, which uh, was on my list originally, so I won't spend too much time on it. This is a tile lane game, kind of Carcassonne-esque, where every player is um, building their own perfect dungeon. Uh, we are decorators. These are not our dungeons. We've been hired by creepy, scary dungeon lords who have specific needs uh, that they want a dungeon. And so we are competing to design the best dungeon for our clients. And um, it's a tile drafting game, very, very similar to King Domino. 
Although I think it actually works a little bit better here. The whole, oh, the more valuable card is going to make me go last later in turn order later on. I think um, the King Domino Tile Draft works very, very good. But what really makes this game stand out and is so special to me is you are, while playing Dungeon Decorators, engaged in two separate parallel tile land games at the same time. Because each tile you grab has two sides. There's the dungeon side, where it shows a very simple corridor or room or intersections or whatnot. Or if you flip the, the tile over, it's a decoration side, where there's torches and cobwebs and um, spikes and all kinds of things. And every time you put a tile down, you decide, what is it going to be? Is it going to be decorations or is it going to be... And the thing is, um, to put the decoration tiles down, they go adjacent to the corridor tiles. And depending on how you align them, that indicates how the individual corridors are decorated. So every time you place a new corridor, you are already thinking about, right, I need to get this particular decoration in this corridor. So I need to set room aside so that I can, in this completely separate um, tile lane game, I can... Be sure that I can lay the right decorations down at the right time. And these two things, it sounds really simple, but it is a fiendishly clever puzzle. And I absolutely adore it. The game has a phenomenal sense of humor. Again, a lot of replayability with all the different dungeon lords that have different targets you can go for. And um, like I said, oh, uh, players have special powers that they can unlock depending on what company they're. And uh, yeah, there's just really wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, every time you play, there will be there's two decks of cards, uh, decoration goals and shape goals. So you can really focus on, okay, I care more about the decoration game. I'm trying to grab more objectives and make sure my decorations are right. Or you can say, I care less about that. And I focus more on the uh, dungeon building game. So I have to get certain rooms in, uh, you know, connected to certain other rooms and stuff like that. It's so clever and it's really flying under the radar. I just think it's absolutely brilliant. And I hope over time, more people fall in love with it. This is such a wonderful next step. If, if Carcassonne was what got you into the industry, and if you like the idea of fantasy dungeons, oh my gosh, it's a wonderful, wonderful next step. Number eight of the year of 2021 for me, Dungeon Decorators. And I talked about that a little bit more than I thought I would, but man, I love it so much. Anyway, though, let's move on to number seven, Funfair, which is a, uh, a, a card game all about making the best Funfair you possibly can. Um, we are trying, again, drafting cards, instead of tiles like the last game, uh, that have multiple functions, and we are either... Playing these cards in front of us to expand our operations of our carnival, you know, theme park fun fair. Or, I mean, these cards can either expand by adding new rides, new attractions, or they can upgrade existing ones we already have. And one of the big decisions you have to make throughout this game is, are you going to go wide or are you going to go deep? Are you going to really try to focus on just a few key rides and make them really awesome or have a whole bunch of stuff and not specialize? Um, there are so many cards in this game. And the draft for this game is so incredibly tense uh, because everybody can see... I just need one more pirate theme card to make this the ultimate pirate getaway. And oh, there's one out there. But am I going to be able to get it because I'm not first in turn order? Um, you know, So there's a lot of tension, a lot of excitement. And actually, one of the things that really sets this one apart for me that makes me really enjoy it, every, at the beginning of every round, before we start doing all the drafting in the building, there's going to be a new event. 
And in nine times out of ten games, most games always try to put in events that, oh, this this, this round, you're going to be screwed this way or this way or this way. It's tax time. Or there was an earthquake. And the problem with event systems like that is where you can't plan for them ahead of time, they just randomly drop into your lap, they will inevitably favor one player over another. Uh, because, oh, it turns out, um, I'm so rich, I don't care about taxes. Or, or I, I'm so broke that I don't have to pay taxes. And so you got screwed, I didn't. In, in a, an event game where there are negative events. Every event in Funfair is positive. And they are all very smartly designed to ensure that everybody at the beginning of the round, no matter what your circumstance is, is going to be able to have their situation improved. And that is so important. And I so hope that designers see this game. Because, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a game beating me down relentlessly. But if you want to do that, you have to let me know three rounds ahead of time that this card is coming so I can repair. If you're going to do a game like this where every round, surprise, there's a new event... Make sure they always work equally for every player's. And hey, while you're at it, why not make them fun? Instead of being unfair, which was actually the name of the predecessor for this game, and you know they favor some players over other, why not make it a fun fair? And that's what fun fair does, which is what puts it in the number seven best game of the year slot. Wow, one of the best you know um, meaty, crunchy designer card games in years. I mean, this definitely in my brain lives up there in the upper echelons of your Race for the Galaxies and your uh, Race Arcanas and and all the rest of it. So. Wonderful stuff. But let's move on to number six, Boone Lake, which is another new game. This was not on my list. Uh, so let's talk about it. Hey, a big box Alexander Fister game came out in 2021. Who knew that it would make uh, my list of the top 10? Because Alexander Fister these days is my second favorite designer, and he's so close to becoming my first. And Boone Lake is fantastic. Uh, this is a game where we are expanding into new virgin territory. The game is actually very, very uh, clear to point out. Look, we're just moving into a new little area. There's nobody here. We're not displacing anyone. We're just trying to you know, build up a, a, you know, a new foothold and all that. And um, the game has elements that you have certainly seen in other Fister games. Uh, the biggest one being this major... Uh, river that runs down the length of the board and has several lakes in it, one of them being Boone Lake. And uh, every round, players, uh, we have our little boats, and we're going to move a certain number of steps down this river. And wherever we land, that indicates what action we're going to get to do. So a very, very Maracaibo, Great Western Trail core vibe here. Although there are lots of really interesting twists uh, that make this feel very different than those other games from Fister. But that's not what makes this game so fascinating to me. Because off to the side, there is a board full of strips that represent two or three actions. And, I mean, in addition to whatever you do based on wherever you landed on the river, you are going to pick one of those action strips from the sideboard, and you will get to do the main action on there, and it's some big, really cool, powerful action. And then everybody else uh, will get access to the other action that's on there that might be thematically tied to what you do or might be something completely different. And then after you've done that, that will go down to the bottom of the list, and it will be 
way too expensive for anybody to use. And over and then the remaining strips will slide back up. And over time, there's this economy where, okay, that's the action I want to do. It's down near the bottom of the stack. I can't do it right now. I've got to wait for it to slide up a few turns. But if it slides up, what if somebody else does it? Okay, I can't wait. I got to burn some of my other resources to get the extra resources I need right now to be able to do this action. Um, and then, by the way, if I think somebody else is going to do it, I better do it before you because, hey, I got it done. And now it sinks back to the bottom again. And now it's too expensive for you to do but you got to do some subset of that action as well because everybody uh gets in on everybody's turns this game is fantastic it's fister at his absolute best the only thing that kept it from being higher on my list, quite frankly, is that I was very bummed to see that Alexander did not do his traditional, hey, by the way, let's include a narrative story campaign where you can play through, I don't know, six, eight, ten um, evolving, changing missions. That was completely left out and it broke my heart because it would work so well in this game. And he's done it so many times in his other games. But that's my only complaint um, in what is otherwise an absolutely fantastic big, heavy, crunchy Euro Boon Lake. Okay. Then we move on to number five, Dog Lover. And uh, yeah, no surprise that this is going to make both Jens and my favorite game of the year because we are both avowed diehard dog lovers. And this is such a wonderful, fast-playing I wouldn't call it a gateway game. This is another gateway plus. It's I wouldn't want to start a brand new player to the industry, no matter how much they love dogs, with this game. But this is a great next step. Because this is a card drafting game where we are trying to rescue and care for dogs. And so there is this 3x3 three three grid at the center of the uh, screen, or of the board, of the table. And on your turn, you are going to pick one row or one column and grab all the cards out of there. And then leave gaps you know, for other players to grab from on their turns. Now, all of this might sound familiar because this is a sequel to an earlier game from the same publisher, um, AEG, called Cat Lady. And Cat Lady was already a, a sweet, charming little game. The same basic core idea of card drafting there. Um, but it was a very, very lightweight game. Very simple, very um, smooth and fluid. But um, Dog Lover takes that same core idea, but really elevates it and adds a lot of extra components and mechanisms, special powers. One of the coolest ones is the fact that you can actually, in addition to getting the dogs you're trying to rescue and the food and you know meeting their needs and you know, depending on what their personality is, all those kinds of things, one of the things you can do is you can train your dogs. You get training cards. And what those training cards represent is you don't, when you draft cards, you don't have to grab them in a straight line, in a straight row or a straight column. You can do them in like Tetris-shaped pieces. So you can get much more funky about how you go around drafting. And I mean, that's just one example of all the really cool ideas that make this so charming. Now, some people would say, wait a minute, didn't this game come out in 2022? It had a super duper, very limited, tiny release in 2021. So it's officially a 2021 game, although most people would consider it 2022. And as far as I'm concerned, it is still one of the best of the year. Whether you're a dog lover or not, but it certainly helps if you are, uh, my number Number five of 2021, Dog Lover. Okay, then let's move on to Golem, which, oh my goodness, this game is huge. It is a um, a kind of what do you call it? It 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 basically concerns itself with the Jewish uh, traditional stories uh, about the uh, the golems. Uh, you know how uh, certain 
uh, people would create these automatons, breathe life into them, and um, you know, for, for good purpose. But then, unfortunately, uh, their hubris got in the way. The golems got out of control and um, you know, wreaked havoc. And I mean, there are cautionary tales about man's hubris, effectively, is what the original golem. And that's brought over into this game really, really well. Because in this game, one of the things we can do is we can create a whole bunch of golems. And we do them to basically engage in tasks, uh, you know, which are goods conversion, Euro-style tasks, collecting resources, converting resources and other resources and whatnot. But the more they do, the greater they grow in power. And that is represented by them moving further and further to the right on these progress tracks on the board. Now, I am a, uh, I, I believe, if I recall correctly, a rabbi, and I've got students under me. And, um, it's my student's job to keep the golems under control. So while I've got a lot of different things I'm trying to focus on, I am trying to um, do uh, you know research and, and I'm trying to you know build artifacts. I'm trying to do all these different things. I'm trying to make stronger, more flexible, useful golems. I'm trying to do all these different things, but. And those are all the ways I score points. But I also have to pump a lot of love and attention into my students, too. Because they have to rise in knowledge. As long as their knowledge can keep up with the golem's power, they can keep the golem under control. And everything's going to be fine. If I can't keep things under control, though, then um, I will start bleeding points in a big, big way. And so, um, there's a really interesting balancing act between trying to use these very powerful tools we've created for ourselves, but... Again, you know, there's there's an underlying message to this game. Do we have the wisdom to use these tools well? Because if we don't, they will bite us in the butt. And that's a message that is very, very germane to our modern day world. And I really, really appreciate that. Um, also, I really appreciate the developers, um, you know, were not cavalier at all about, they were not doing any kind of uh, Jewish cultural appropriation because they actually got a professor of rabbinical studies, a very, very big luminary in uh, that world to come in and spot check all the work they did and give feedback and direction to make sure they were handling the subject matter with maturity and with grace and respect. And I really uh, respect the heck out of them for uh, taking on that extra time and effort to make sure they got it right. Um, and then, on top of all that, it's just a really cool game because it's kind of a funky worker placement game. Every round, I've got one worker that represents me that I can go to different worker placement spots that are constantly updating and changing throughout the game. But then there's also these uh, marbles that look very, very much like we've had a few marble games that come out of a shoot and go into different tracks. Um, in addition to the one action I will do myself, I will also draft a couple of these marbles. Those marbles represent my students doing tasks for me. Um, and do I have the students do tasks so they get smart? Harder, or more knowledgeable so they can keep up with the golems or do I have them do stuff that I need them to do again all of these things keeping them all in sync is absolutely brilliant I was blown away by this game on top of that, it has a great presentation. When you first look at the game, it's overwhelming. It's big, it's gigantic, there's a million icons, but it's still Everything is is pretty intuitive once you get a few basic ideas down and uh, yeah, I was blown away. Of course I was blown away. It's number 4 of the year. Golem so apologies if I said Gollum, folks. That is how it's pronounced in some places in the world. But anyway, Gollum. Let's now move on to number three. Another new one that was not on my list earlier. Um, oh, dear. Welcome to the moon. And I do not have that queued up. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay. I'm going to take a break for a second, folks. Because I screwed up. I certainly did. Gosh darn it. Um... And hey, that gives me a chance to check in and see how everybody's doing. Is everybody okay? 
Let's see, I don't see any um, messages that have popped up indicating that things have gone awry. I didn't hear anything in my ear, so that's good. My sound is still going on. Um, Dare Drinker, thank you for resubscribing. Um, wow, you've been subscribed for seven months, Dare Drinker. That is awesome. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the commitment. Um, right, Atonal Sensor, uh, subscribed 28 minutes ago. Thank you again. And Tones to My Bones, I still just love saying that. Nice to see you also. Thanks for the subscribes, folks. Oh, and I see, while I was jibber-jabbing away, we crossed the line. We made it, folks. 1,000... Actually, I, I, this means I have over 2,000 followers uh, now. Uh, I just, I'm gonna, Next time you see me, uh, which will probably be... I might be doing a live playthrough of this tomorrow. Was it the Guild of Merchant Explorers? I'm thinking I'm going to do that live tomorrow at noon. Um, if not, I'll be doing an RB an R and R show next week. You will see next time I'm live that this has oops this has been updated to start counting down the the middle one uh, so we, we can get to the next goal. But I now have an extra top ten I need to do this month. Thanks to all of you. Thanks for the follows. Thanks for the subscribes. Thanks for the bits. Thanks for the merch purchase. Thanks for everything. Thanks for helping me keep this thing going. Okay. So, um, since I stopped for a second, I am now going to try to fix... Fix the... uh, I can't believe that. How did I forget that? I missed... Welcome. All right. So, I need... Let's see. All right. I need to have a new tab open. Hold on a second. You guys, no reason. You might as well see what's going on behind the scenes. Let's uh, make a new tab. New tab to the right. There it is. And it is... Now, I have not done a Welcome to the Moon run-through. No, I haven't. So, I am going to have to... I, I haven't done a public one. But I have done a uh, Arado Relax video, which is... Let's see. Welcome to the Moon. Here we are, behind the scenes, folks. This is my YouTube channel. Um, right, so there it is, the Welcome to the Moon run, or, uh, Relax session that Jen and I did. We did it back on April 27th. Every month, if you're a subscriber at a high enough level on the um, on my Patreon campaign, Jen and I do a Patreon-exclusive video. I, I still talk about the review, give it a game, turn it into a little stand-up, rapid review, but um, for people who actually subscribe, they get to see the full video. So let's go on ahead and cue that video up. Right. And this, I should have had this tab ready. I cannot believe I just totally blew that. I spent quite a bit of time preparing this morning, but apparently not enough time. Okay. So there we go. Let's just go on ahead and cue this video up right here. That looks good. That looks good. Okay. All right. So that's paused. So now I got to come back over to Gollum. Oh, I can't believe this. So embarrassing. Oh, I don't need to have you on the screen anymore. Mm. So, what did I just say? Uh, welcome to the moon. And then I realized... Oh, by the way, I'm sorry I revealed what my number two is. Were you paying attention? Did you see ahead of time? Did you get spoilers for what the number two is? Because I can't even set up ten tabs correctly. What's wrong with my brain? Anyway, so, I'm trying to remember. What did I say? I believe I said, you know, welcome to the moon. And then I hit the tab and I realized I'd screwed up. So, I think all I've got to do is... when I When I pick up again and keep going... I will just act as if the tab was correct the whole time. That should be fine. Okay, then. So, let me go on ahead and uh, put another marker so I know when I continued. Thank you for your patience, folks. If you show up live, you get to see the sausage being made. Because sometimes I make goofs, and I certainly did today. All right, so. One more sip, though. One more sip. One more slap. (laughs) 
Welcome to the Moon, which, oh my goodness, folks, I was excited about this game ever since I first heard about it. Uh, you know, make no mistake, uh, because both Jen and I really, really dig Welcome to, which is a roll and write, a series of roll and writes. Uh, there's been the base game, there's been some spin off games, there's been some mini expansions for the games, and it's not a roll and write, a flip and write where players are doing their best to come up with the best French suburb they can. Although it's moved to Las Vegas and um, like a Halloween neighborhood. They've done all kinds of stuff. So, Welcome to the Moon is the latest in the series of these games. And it's a standalone. It's not an expansion. And instead of building a suburb, we are mankind's best hope for survival. Because we are working to colonize the moon. Um, And in the box, which still plays 80% like regular Welcome to, which is to say there are three pairs of cards, or three stacks of cards. And every stack, you you know, has each, each... Deck of cards has a discard pile. The cards are two-sided. So two cards next to each other create a pair. And every round, um, we reveal a new card, which actually reveals two new cards, because you flip a card over and they're two-sided. And you have to pick one of the three pairs. Like right now on screen, do I want the eight astronaut, the five astronaut, or the seven energy? And everybody at the same time chooses that. Uh, Different uh, symbols have different special powers. They let you do different things when you're... Uh, you know, progressing, you know, r- marking your progress on your own player sheet. The numbers are very important, though, because they're the real limiter. In uh, almost every version of Welcome To, as you are building more and more stuff, you have to do numbers in ascending order. So often, I will desperately want that energy. But a 7 is no good for me, because I can't place a 7. Either I've already placed a 7, or um, I've already placed a 6, and then right next to it I put an 8. So I can't slip a 7 in between them. And, I mean, a 7 is can't go to the right of an 8, it can't go to the left of a 6. And so, the game puts you in these incredibly tight, restrictive, crunchy situations where you're constantly trying to compromise what's more important to me. Filling in the numbers so I get a nice you know, suite of ascending numbers or the right power at the right time. So that's what Welcome 2 has always been. And it's always been brilliant. A hugely popular, successful series as evidenced by the fact that it's gotten so many expansions. But what does Welcome to the Moon do? Well, first of all, it comes with eight unique maps that tell an eight-chapter story, starting out with the first one where we are trying to load up a rocket ship uh, with supplies to go to the moon. And then the second map is plotting our course to the moon. And then the third map is um, you know, building our first settlement on the moon. And then our fourth map is, which is what I'm actually showing on the screen, the fourth mission of eight, is mining on the moon. And the thing is, each one of these chapters in the story, while it still drives the same core Welcome to gameplay, which is brilliant, they completely radically reinvent them as well by having you, um, you know, uh, mining using this system is a very different puzzly challenge than building a suburb or plotting a course from the Earth to the Moon or whatever. And the game... Every time you try a new one of these missions, it is reinventing itself with cool new twists to the formula. Here's the deal. Now that I've played Welcome to the Moon, and I've played all... I have not played the last two chapters yet. I've played the first six. I've been impressed by every single one of them. I'm getting rid of my old Welcome to. I don't need it anymore. Welcome to the Moon gives me so much more in one box. And if all that weren't enough, having a storyline you can play through, which, by the way, has um, you know uh, actual narrative choices you make that change the objectives from mission to mission, so you can actually play through a storyline if you want, or you can just play any mission you want. But if you finish the storyline, the game comes with all kinds of boxes that unlock additional modules that will um, infuse even more unique gameplay and cool, fresh ideas into the system. I was so blown away by this. The sheer 
level of imagination and creativity in the design that every time I come to a new thing, wow, I never thought of that with Welcome to, but it works. Oh my gosh, what a brilliant idea. And Jen, who normally doesn't care about design considerations, she was very impressed by this as well. Um, so, I, there's no two ways about it. Uh, this is one, I had played it last year, but I hadn't gotten a chance to play it with Jen. I'd only played the first couple of missions. Now, in the new year, that I've played the first six of eight missions, and I'll be honest, I've taken a peek. I've opened up the boxes. I know what's coming, and I can't wait to officially unlock them. There is no denying it. I had to put Welcome To as the number three best game. Or Welcome to the Moon, I should say. Number three best game of 2021. Okay. And that's all very, very cool. But how about we move on to number two? And this one should come as no surprise to anybody. Of course, Ark Nova was going to make it on the list. Wow. What a game. This um, quite frankly, this game lives up to the hype. Make no mistake about it. In this game, we are competing to run the best world-class zoo possible. And actually, oops, let me go on ahead and, uh, continue with the run-through there. Sorry, I forgot that happened in the, in the run-through where Jen kind of interrupted midstream. Sorry. Where was I? Okay, yeah, so we're trying to make a world-class zoo. But the important thing is, while a big part of our focus in this card-drafting, very, very heavy economic simulation is about trying to get the right habitats for the for the animals, to make the, uh, the, the best possible living conditions for them, and, you know, follow after certain objectives and all that, that's only half of your goals. Because as a modern world-class zoo, we're not only focused on trying to make money by putting animals on display for customers, we are actively trying to help the animals in the wild as well. You actually have two victory point tracks in this game. One is how much renown you get, or you know how much popularity or excitement, I think it's called, which is to say, hey, the, uh, the, the more people who come because I've got really cool exotic animals and they're well taken care of in, in well-maintained um, enclosures that are huge... You know, I mean, so this is a very modern approach to zoo design. Not like the, uh, you know, the, the, the concrete bathtubs of, of my childhood in the 70s when we go to zoos. These are modern zoos that they really painstakingly recreate the, uh, the living conditions for the animals. But um, then people come and see them, and hey, that's one of your victory point tracks. The other victory point track, which is harder to move up on, but it is where you will score the lion's share of your points. Sorry, pun intended, uh, not intended, is um, the conservancy track. Because while we are trying to make money and you know to keep our operations going, we are also on screen or on the board. There are three different conservancy projects that we can contribute to, and these give us objectives that we are trying to hit. And um, as soon as we do, we um, have actually contributed to the health and welfare of the animals who are still out in the wild, whether they are research projects or you know funding for national parks, all kinds of things. And so. A big part of this game is, well, okay, we need to make a successful attractive zoo for people to come so we can make money so that we can funnel all that money into worldwide conservancy efforts. I mention all this because I love it. I absolutely love the story this game is telling about a, uh, a, a responsible approach to animal welfare. Take really good care of the ones we've got and then use the resources we get from that to take care of the ones in the wild. I absolutely love that. But... All that aside, I love the gameplay here, too. Uh, because the whole game is driven by a very simple action selection mechanism. Everybody has five action cards in front of them. And they are put in slots, numbered one through five. If I play the card, whatever it is, whether it's build, or recruit, or um, you know, uh, get a sponsors, or whatever it is, 
if I if I play the card in slot number four, I get to do a level four action of that. Whereas if I played it when that card was in level two, I'd only get to do a weaker level two action of it. So anyway, I, I play the card, I do the level four action, and then that card slides down to the bottom. Everything else gets more powerful, and it's the weakest. And, and it will stay weak for a while. And you are so desperate, I want to do that action again! But I'm probably not going to do that action for like another three or four turns until it can work its way back up. Balancing that shifting um, you know, level, trying to get the, the uh, powers into the right spot so you can do the correct action instead of the weaker action that helps but isn't what you need is a wonderfully brilliant, super smart puzzle. Actually, I didn't think about it right this second. It's kind of like your own personal version of the communal um, action strips from Boon Lake. Wow. Those games have more in common than I thought. I guess I really like this. Hey, no surprise. I love really crunchy, meaty, heavy Euros um, with brilliant action selection mechanisms that are super simple and clean and elegant and lead to really dense, tough decisions. That's what Arc Nova does. And here's the deal, folks. The only thing that keeps it out of the number one slot of the year for me is, as much as I love everything about it, it is a long game. It It is a little bit longer than I personally would like. The developers, they have talked about, hey, look, here's a way you can shorten the game a little bit, but it's kind of like an afterthought. I am really hoping, because a lot of people consider this to be um, terraforming zoo. It's basically a uh, you know a the uh, heir apparent to terraforming Mars. Who needs terraforming Mars anymore when we got Ark Nova? Terraforming Mars eventually got a um, an expansion. I forget the name of it, but an expansion that um, sped the game up. And I so want that for Ark Nova. If Ark Nova did not take two plus hours for a two player game, and to be fair, other players, the developers say, hey, we can get a game done in 60, 70 minutes. I guess if I play the game enough, maybe I'll get that fast, although I doubt it. My wife and I, we are slow players, and for us, this is a two plus hour game. It's two plus hours well spent, but if this game could just be a little bit shorter, more into the 90 minute range for us at, at our speed of play, which is to say, if there were, again, I am just. Hoping, hoping, hoping for an expansion that can just speed it up just a little bit. Not sacrifice any of the crunch that is absolutely fantastic, but just gives us that all those same feels in a half hour shorter, this would have been my game of the year. But even still, it's number two. It's brilliant. It's from a freaking first-time designer. Well done. Well done to everybody. Everything about this game is phenomenal. Number two of the year, 2021, Arc Nova. But... Uh, my number one is unchanged. If you were here in December, you saw it, and I'm going to stick by it. Number one best game of 2021 is Roll Camera. Oh my goodness, I love this game so much for so many reasons. And I've talked about it so many times now when I covered the original game, when I covered the expansion, when it made the number one slot a few months ago, back in December. Um, I've talked about it's made several top tens on the R&R show. I love everything about this game. Oh, roll camera, I love thee. Let me count the ways. It's a fantastic cooperative dice worker placement game. That's something that doesn't exist. But I love dice worker placement. I love cooperative games. Um, I guess you maybe kind of, sort of, um, what's it, uh, Robinson Crusoe maybe scratches that bill, but not like this, because, uh, you know, the core gameplay is simple, I, I have a bunch of uh, dice, I roll them every turn, the dice faces that show up indicate the crew I have access to, and then I'm going to do worker placements with all those crew, and all the stuff I have to focus on, we have to develop the script for our movie, we have to, um, build the sets for our movie, we have to, um, deal with 
crises. Remember how I was talking right at the beginning? Well, or no, in Funfair, how if you're going to put bad events in a game, make sure players have the opportunity to respond to them. Um, you know, so you don't just drop them and get and they get crushed. This game has a brilliant way that problems show up. Uh, that they they show up. They're not too bad, but they linger. And you know, any one problem is no big deal. But if you don't solve the first problem, it sticks around and becomes harder to solve. And then a new problem shows up. And then ultimately, you can have three problems you're trying to juggle at one time. And you're wishing, why didn't I take care of this when it would have been easy and it would have only taken two dice? Now I need three matching dice to solve this thing and it's killing us. I love that. I mean, it kind of speaks to me as a procrastinator. I tend to, okay, well, that's not a problem. That's a problem for tomorrow, Rado. Right now, I've got my other things to deal with. I mean, so the event system in this game is brilliant, but more than anything else, more than the subject matter, because I love behind-the-scenes movie and TV making. The, the subject matter just speaks to me. And this really, in a lot of ways, reminds me of my life as a video game creative director for so many years too. I would run into a, I, I make a lot of decisions in this game that feel very much like the decisions I would make back in my former life. But what I love more than anything else is one of the worker placement actions you can do in this game is production meeting. And you can do it with any die and it may sound, oh, that's the worst thing you want to do. Who wants to go to a meeting? But the thing is, it's a cooperative game. And everybody has a handful of idea cards, and these are super powerful cards. But um, when it's my turn, and we've got the re- we've got termites on set, and it's pre- it's killing our production schedule, and I don't have a way to do it, you might say, "Let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. I've got an idea. I've got an idea." And I'm like, "Okay, I will use one of my precious dice to have a meeting." And then when you call a meeting, every player gets to take one of their idea cards and put them into a pot. Although if you're playing a two-player game, two players put one in and then a third one is just drawn blind from the deck. And then you, the person who called the meeting, pick one of those. And the thing is, whoever wanted me to call the meeting might have had a good suggestion, but it turns out uh, my other teammate has an even better one. One of those ideas will get put into play. It will be a very powerful thing that could fix that problem or any number of other problems. One of them will go into a queue that we can actually do later, but we'll have to spend dice. And um, one of them... Uh, bye-bye. Uh, and that is so cool. It models an actual successful meeting where good things come out of the meeting because everybody worked together to solve a problem. I just love the story this game tells. I love the production. I love the presentation. I love the really cute cartoony artwork. The designer, uh, this was done by the same designer did the art for the game as well. It's an absolutely phenomenal game. If you like cooperative games, if you like the movies, you've got to check it out. One of the best co-op games in years. It just does so many cool, fresh, new, original things. And again, just tells such a wonderful, wonderful story in a gameplay perspective. And then, hey, not for nothing, if you win, you actually have a movie. And Jen and I, we have said, okay, let's look at all these scenes we put together. Let's fill in the blanks. Let's actually tell the story that this movie tells. So that's a wonderful little side thing as well. Everything about my number one of the year, Roll Camera, is great. And that is it, folks. A very, very good year. I am very, very happy with this final list. And now, of course, there are a lot more games to talk about. And I am going to talk about them, but not today. Not today. Instead, if you actually back uh, you know, my YouTube channel on Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash Every month I do a ramble video where it's kind of like a video vlog. I just talk about various stuff. Last month for my 10th anniversary, I did like a 90-minute retrospective of everything that's ever happened to me in the making of the channel. This month, I am actually going to continue. I'm going to talk about the other games of 2021 that I haven't talked about in this video. Um, you know, What just missed the list? What still remains to be played? 
What did we hate? What games didn't work out for us? I'm not going to talk about that publicly, but uh, Back to the Show can get a little bit more deep dives into 2021. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Rotto. Hit that I in the top right corner of the screen uh, where it says help Rotto run. Uh, but anyway, that was it, folks. Very, very excited, but I am not done yet. Because as I said right up front, I'm streaming this live on uh, May 11th. So I'm going to pause for a second and see if the audience has any questions related to the games of 2021. And if so, we'll uh, go come back and uh, we'll have a little bit of Q&A. Sound good? Let's see what they've got to say. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, folks, so now is the time when, uh, if you've got any questions, specifically, I mean, we, we can do all kinds of questions about all kinds of stuff, but really, if there was something for 2021, you're like, how did I not put that on the list? Or your favorite game of 2021, or how the game I did put on the list, you know, whatever you might want to talk about, now's the chance to do it. So, I am going to take a look and see, okay, we've got some questions. Yes, we do. Okay. Ooh, those are good questions. These are all good questions. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I can use these. I can totally use these. Do you know about the meta top list uh, BGG? Yes, I do. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the reviewer one. I'm pretty sure I should have done that. Okay. Uh, D -D -D -D. So... Um, let me just do a, let's see, how am I going to do here? Okay, so I'm going to have to edit out this part. Uh, all right, I'm going to do questions that I think would actually make sense as part of this video that I'm going to do on YouTube. I'll focus on those that have come up. And remember, folks, if you have a question for me, start your question with a question mark, because I'm not going to see it in the chat, but I will, let me, let me show you what I'm actually talking about. Shall I show you what I'm talking about? Um... If I come back over here, you can see this is the chat. It's the same chat that you're looking at in Twitch. But if people start with a question mark, it gets put over here. And I can push these buttons and put them on screen. So um, that's how I don't miss questions. So that's what I'm talking about. Start your question with a question mark and it'll go into that queue. So right now, I'm just going to go through. We're going to do the ones that are kind of 2021 gamey related or just game related in general. And uh, we'll, we'll see what we see. And if there's other stuff that doesn't fit the remit, I'll save those and do them afterwards just for you, since you actually showed up live on the day. Okay. Although, let's see. Okay here. It looks like uh, no new events have happened. Everything's going fine. We're still at 95 viewers. That's pretty cool. I guess, uh, I, guess I must have been saying something interesting for so many of you to stick around for so long. Um, right. Do, do, do. Oh, and there's so much chat to go through. Um, doo -doo -doo. Okay, it looks like people are saying, oh, I like to play this game. Hello. Uh, hello, first time chatter, F. Skinner. Hello to you, too. And um, uh, Nyla Thresh, purple heart to you, too. Nyla, welcome, first timers. And tones to my bones. All right, I see your, your question is already in the queue. Uh, all right, okay. It looks like, yeah, I'm just looking for big events in the chat. 
Mostly, I said, first timers, I want to say hello. Very special to you, Atonal Tensor. Um, first time chatter. I don't know what you want to play, but um, hopefully, I uh, hopefully I won't let you down with my enthusiasm for whatever it was. And let's see, Hawk Skull. At least you're not on a spaceship full of hairdressers and telephone sanitation engineers. I feel like that is a comedy sci-fi reference I should get, and I am sad to say, Hawk Skull, I do not get the reference. That's not a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing, is it? No, is it a Red Dwarf thing? I don't know. But anyway, yes, at least there's that. Okay. Oh, cool, cool. And, um, oh, uh, uh, DBX Runner. Didn't know the variation existed. Uh, I don't know what variation you mean, but I'm glad I was able to inform you. Okay, 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 okay. Cool, 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 cool. Alrighty, so, let's see here. Alright, I think I found the answer. Rado Relaxer. Yes, the water, um, uh, yeah, that was a question. I'll talk about all that when we get to it. Okay, so. So I mark this. I do this. Okay, folks, we do have a few questions. I'm just going to be going through these. And um, let's see. Uh, Some of them will be related directly to the list we just did. Some are just more broad game-related stuff. One of them, um, from Tomes for My Bones, asks, Do I know about the meta top ten list on BoardGameGeek? Yes, I do. I watched that one like a hawk, if it's the one I'm thinking of. But not everybody knows about it, so I figured I'd mention. There's this very cool yearly list where um, folks on BoardGameGeek take uh, collate all of the top 10 lists of all board game reviewers, whether they're video or podcast or written form, uh, magazines, websites, um, and then they do uh, averaging jiggery-pokery to put them all into one master list. You know, kind of like a... uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes for the year. And I think it's absolutely brilliant, and it always comes up with very cool, interesting stuff. I highly recommend it. Um, and I need to actually contact them to say, hey, by the way, I know you already put my first list on, but my list is updated now because I have a few different games on the list. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, if I can find it, I'll put a link for it down in the show notes uh, for people to go look at after we're done. Thank you, Tones. Tones my bones. Okay, let's see here. Then, next up... Uh, um, Linnaeus Cabal asks Am I excited to learn more about the Furnace Expansion? I am now Because I have no idea what you're talking about Linnaeus Cabal Tell me more Did this just get announced today? Because I, if, if it did I was too busy getting ready to, to film today So I don't know what's going on But yeah Furnace you know, As I said right up front Is, um, is absolutely fantastic Furnace was my original number two for 2021 until it got retroactively turned back into a 2020 game because it did come out a very, very small print run in Russia in 2020. But then it went wide in 2021 when it got picked up by other publishers. And no, I didn't know an expansion was coming, but yeah, I am there with bells on. That is very, very cool. Breaking news, folks. Furnace expansion coming soon. Thank you, Linnaeus. Okay. Alrighty. Next up. All right, uh, question. Outside of Top Games of 2021, did any publishers stand out or surprise me? I would say probably what stood out to me the most in 2021... Um, and you know, in, in a very pleasantly surprising way is you are seeing publishers more and more and more take seriously the um, concerns that many people have brought up for years about um, uh, you know, about the content of their games. You know, I mean, it's most first and foremost. I mean, you know, we the board game industry for so long has had such a casual relationship with colonialism as a subject matter, and you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just been so normalized for so many years and there have been so many people for so long saying 
yeah, this is really kind of, do we really need, there's so many other, these mechanisms could be, why? And this year, more than ever before, I think you're seeing publishers step up, um, you know, and, and really listen. And not just gut check say, come on, it's just a game. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of come on, it's just a game uh, from the audience. But publishers, by and large, seem to be responding. And actually, I will say, you know, maybe while there are people who are complaining, they just don't want to see wokeism come into their board games. I, I think that's getting, becoming a smaller, maybe a louder, but definitely a smaller minority. I remember years ago when um, Five Tribes came out, and I, in my video, said, boy, it's kind of weird that in this family-friendly, colorful game about togetherness and reunification, players get to be slave owners. Why is this here? And um, you know, and to their credit, Days of Wonder immediately said, yeah, you're right, that was, why did we do that? And they, you know, they released the replacement cards. And I remember back then, that was a firestorm that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I mean, to this day, I still get people saying that I'm too much of a, uh, a SJW. But these days, I think the response is more tempered and publishers are more and more willing to listen and try to do better and make a hobby that is more broad inclusive and respectful and that's I think what stands out to me anytime a publisher is willing to do that and take on the extra cost like I mentioned very briefly in the top 10 Gollum was or Golem was a game that did that they actually went out and found a master of rabbinical studies to actually give them feedback on their game um, and, because it's the right thing to do uh, it's just it's just the respectful thing to do so I'm really excited that that's happening more and more and more we started to see it we're seeing even more of it in 2022 Seems like it's a trend, and it's a good one. We're, we're, we're working upwards, so that's fantastic. All righty. Hmm. <clears throat> right, let's see here. Oh, that, that's about other stuff. What are... Let's see. I see here... Uh, uh, Gadam Gray asks, What are my standout games for 2022 so far? That's a good question. Let me answer that question. Hold on a second. Let me go to ranked.rado.com. Right. Hold on a second. Actually, I don't have to do this in secret. I can just show you, can't I? Let's see here. Where do I need to go to? I need to go to the browser tab. And, oh, hey, look, there's the chat. This is what I'm monitoring and all that. But let's have a new tab and go to ranked.rado.com. And this just take a second to open up. Anybody can go here. Ranked.rado.com. This is my collection online. And everything is, uh, is ranked uh, with every single game in here. 400 games have unique numbers. So you can see how I rank everything. And so I just do is I search for 2022, end parenthesis. And currently, my number one game of 2022, Guild of Merchant Explorers. This game right here that I might be doing a live playthrough of tomorrow on this very Twitch channel. Uh, which would ultimately eventually show up on YouTube. Depending on... I'm, right now I'm talking to my live Twitch audience, but I remember I'm also talking to a YouTube audience for tomorrow. So uh, Guild of Merchant Explorers is phenomenal. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, Isle of Cats, Explore and Draw. Zapotec, number three. Founders of Teotihuacan, number four. Free Radicals. Oh man, I was talking about... I mentioned this in my top 10. Why can't we have... Or no, uh, not in the top 10. Before we started, I did an unboxing of a very cool asymmetrical war game. What is it? It's uh, Crescent Moon. This looks so cool and so neat and full of ideas. And, you know, I'm sure it's like trying to be a root killer and all that. But why do we have to have asymmetrical war games? Why can't we have asymmetrical board games like Free Radicals? Let's see what else. Um, oh, Pessoa. Very, very... Very cool, really funky, quirky worker placement game. Really like that one. And uh, Get On Board, New York and London. Those are the seven games of 2022 that I have ranked so far. All right. So, uh, 
hopefully. And those are some standout games. Uh, that's not all I've played. I've played some other games too. Some of them I will never talk about publicly because I only... I was raised, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. So I talk about the games I like. I do not talk about the games I don't like, as a general rule. Anyway, though, so thank you, uh, Gadam Gray. Good question. All right. Uh, could you do another? All right. Oh, no. All right. Okay. Um, uh, see here. Uh, Nishobo says the procrastination of crisis cards and roll camera. Very funny. I agree. It's, it's hilarious. And it's, it's, it's so real, you know, it's so, I mean, people talk about, oh, this is just a, a themeless game that can put anything on. I, I don't know about that, but I, you know, people complaining about, I mean, to me, the theme comes through so real. I've been in those situations. We all have where we just, oh, just put that off. And then it becomes a huge problem down the road. All right. Um, so Nishobo said, can I think of other games that have this, that bad events become worse? I'm sure, um, roll camera is not the first game to have ever done it, but I couldn't tell you any, I mean, it really felt very fresh. Uh, to me when I was playing that game. So here's what I suggest. Whenever anybody asks me, hey, I really like X. Can you make some suggestions? My brain is not wired to be able to just pull game names out of the ether like that. So can I suggest, Nishobo, that you go... uh, What the heck? Let's do it right now. You go to faq.rado.com, which is short for frequentlyaskedquestions.rado.com. I can type FAQ dot and hey here are 27 questions that i get asked all the time and one of them is i love blah what should i get and my answer to that is always hey you know what i probably i would have to spend a lot of time studying and thinking to answer that question and people ask me this all the time so i just say go to the board game geek recommendation forum this forum is fan freaking tastic one of the most valuable assets that board game geek has because if you ask any question like your question of hey can you think of other games that do this i guarantee you you will the day you post it you will get um at least a couple if not a half a dozen well thought out replies from the hive mind of board game geek and they'll all be really good suggestions so that is how i uh answer those questions as a general rule i defer to board game geek um let's see and i figured oh what the heck why not actually show that and show my faq while i'm at it okay what's up next um, all right, here we go. We've got Hawk Skull wonders, where would Furnace land in my best of 2020? That's a very good question. I genuinely do not know. But you, I mean, you now know how to figure it out, right? Let's, let's do it. Let's go back to, um, where is it? Ranked.rado.com. Do I still have that open? No, I got to open it again. Ranked.rado. I have such a habit of just closing tabs as soon as I'm done with them, which is just, why do I do that? I just create so much work for myself. All right, coming back over. Here we are at Ranked, and now I'll do a search for 2020. And Holler Tau is my number one game. Cloud Age number two, Loop number three, Calico four, Anno five. Where is Furnace? All right, Furnace. Furnace is my number 10. That's interesting. If I recall correctly, it was my number two for 2021. But, okay, but no, that was when, before I'd played all those additional games in 21. So, Furnace is my number 10 for 2020. What did that bump out? I'm sorry, Lost Ruins of Arnak used to be my number 10. It was replaced by Furnace. Um, yeah. And, oh, and you can see, Welcome to the Moon right below it as a 2021 game. And Welcome to the Moon was my number 3. So, yeah, Furnace is still pretty much, it was like my number 3. Yeah, Bob. It, so, Ark Nova is better than Furnace. Furnace is better than Welcome to the Moon and Lost Ruins of Arnak, uh, my number 10. Oh, man, that makes 2020 an amazing year. If my number 3 for 2021 was my number 10 of 2020. Wow, I hadn't really thought about that. Okay. 
Let's see what we got next. Okie dokie. Um, ba -ba -ba. All right. So Liz Gab asks, what level would I have to be at to get the welcome to the moon view? Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, I mentioned this in the countdown. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Rado. And uh, it's, it's one of the higher ones, I'll be honest, because here's the deal. My wife, Jen, hates, hates being on camera. Cannot stand it. Um, you know, and so when she said, hey, can we just, I, I never want to do another live show again. Can I please not do that? She has done a few, but she, she, it, she's so uncomfortable and she covers it up. She's really good. She's very effervescent, really charming. And I think she gets into it, but she just gets so in her head that she's just so nervous about it because she hasn't been doing it for 10 years nonstop like I have. So, um, it is a higher level reward, uh, called the relaxer level. Um, which I think is 10 bucks up from the previous reward. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. At the uh, $10 a month, you get the Jen Jogs, where Jen appears on camera and does a ranking, a countdown of all of her favorite games from the previous month. That's a lot of work for her to do. And then uh, five bucks up, you get to the relax, where you actually get to see her and me play a game every month. And Welcome to the Moon was one. Now, here's the deal, folks. If you want to see Welcome to the Moon filmed, but you do not want to back me on Patreon, you still have options. Uh, because, let's go back to the browser again. Browser. Um, and let's go to, um, I need to go to requests.rado.com. Right. Uh, this is a geek list on Board Game Geek, where uh, 199 games are currently being potentially evaluated, and I bet you To the Moon is on this list, isn't it? Here we go. Um, item 130 on this list, To the Moon. It has 30 thumbs currently. You can see I actually added it because I wanted to... I mean, uh, here's the deal. Once a game gets to around... Uh, it varies from month to month, but like 60 or 70 thumbs, that puts it at the top of the most highly demanded game in my or that's on this geek list. And at that point, I will do a run-through of the game. So, if you're out there, and you're a Welcome to the Moon fan, um, you know, come here like you just saw me do, and thumb it. And then, if you right-click here and copy this link, you get a link to this entry by right-clicking on the date on the entry, you can post that link you know, to your friends and say, hey, everybody who's on board game, can you go thumb this? You can go post it in the Welcome To um, discussion forum. You can post it on Twitter if you want, wherever. Say, I really want Rado to do a Welcome To the Moon. He just made it his number three of the year. Let's get him to do a run-through because I have seen people do this before, like start a, um, a rallying cry to get enough thumbs. And sometimes I've seen these games just like overnight get like 50 or 100 thumbs. And if that happens then that's going to be the game that gets filmed next month. Otherwise, it'll be something else. Uh, like this month, I'm, I'm filming... Um, or actually, I don't remember what I'm doing. I mean, heck, it could be this month if Welcome to the Moon gets enough thumbs. So that's a way to make it happen. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if it's if backing the show, totally understandable. Uh, you know, I totally understand why. But this is another way that you can get games covered by me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So that was a little side trip there, uh, featuring some more back... Uh, Behind-the-scenes stuff. Let's see. What's the next question? Mm -mm -mm. 
All right. All right. So, Nishobo asks, could I do another live play session with Ruel? Really like the one with Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the one with it. Jen actually showed up for that one because it was a three-player game and we needed her. And it was fan- we had so all three of us had so much fun doing it. And the audience had fun, too, because whenever Ruel and I do the RVR show, every week we do the R&R show, Rado and Ruel. It's a... It's a hour-long show where we basically just talk about games and then another hour where we do a top 10 and we do that live every Tuesday and then it goes up on Wednesday on YouTube and occasionally if you can see them again right up here which one is it uh how are we doing it's yeah it's the top one um we need 149 uh, subscribers we're at 60 right now that will unlock another RVR at the rate we go we tend to do one a month um, if, if the subscriber count went up quicker, we'd do them more often. Uh, but that's basically, hey, if you, if, you, if you hit these targets, we will do it. So that is something that you can be looking for in the future. Okay. Do, do, do. What else have we got here? Um, right. Okay. So uh, Body Belly is asking, hey, Furnace shipped until 2021. It's not on your list now. I, I, you guys, you must have missed it. Furnace did ship. In Russia, as a very small print run in 2020, that is why it is on uh, Board Game Geek as a 2020 game. And I judge, I I do not want to get into the weeds of, well, this game only came out in these two shops, or it was only available to this, or whatever, or you know, there's only 50 copies of it at Essen. Does that really mean it's that year? If Board Game Geek says it's that year, that's good enough for me. I like the idea of having a centralized arbiter so we can all work from the same place rather than saying, well, I don't care. It came out in my country in this year. So that's officially the year it is. To me, that all to me feels like kind of like you're you know, punching down. Like, well, hey, these other countries, they count too. Just because you don't live in that country doesn't mean it wasn't a legitimate game release. So that's why, you know, I, I, that's the philosophy for Board Game Geek, and I agree with it largely. So if Board Game Geek says it furnishes a 2020, it's a 2020 as far as I'm concerned. Um, alrighty. Let's see. Ooh, here's a big one um, from Gadam Gray. Where did these 2021 games rank? Uh, Legacy of Gravehold, Queen's Guard, or Azul Queen's Garden, Cascadia. Well, several of these, you can tell. I, I won't, I, you know, what is it? Um, Cascadia, Cocapelli, Origins First Builders, um, it's, uh, Ares Expedition, and yeah, those ones are still in my collection. So if you go back to rank.rado.com, you can find where they are and, uh, you know, and see how they rank to everything else. So the ones that aren't on that list, let me talk about them. Uh, Legacy of Gravehold. Uh, Aeon's End Legacy of Gravehold is, as far as I'm concerned, an expansion to Aeon's End. So it would get the same ranking as Aeon's End. So if you find Aeon's End on the list, you know how I'd rank Legacy of Gravehold. Um, Azul Queen's Garden? I liked it a lot. Jen did not. Jen thought, it's like, eh, whatever. And like, oh, so I got rid of it. And I don't keep games or ranked that I've gotten rid of. Let me see here. Let me take a stab in the dark at how I would rank it, though, if it had stayed in the collection. Because both Jen and I have to love it for it to stay. If only one of us loves it and the other one doesn't, hey, um, I only have so much room on these shelves, I'll get rid of a game for any reason that I can think of. And Jen just thought it was okay. Whereas I thought, Azul crossed with Castles of Burgundy? That's two great tastes that taste amazing together. So, let's come back over to ranked.rado.com. Where is that? Boop. Here we are again. And let's see, where would I put Azul? All right. I'm just going to arbitrarily come down here into the eight. All right. So, Coimbra or Azul? Nope, nope. Going to keep going. All right. 
Arion or Azul? Ooh. Ooh. I think I like Ari- Arion is the best of the Oniverse games. I think I like Arion more than Azul. And Asonia, I definitely like Asonia more. And whatnot, Captain. Okay, let's keep going down. Alrighty. Um, Steam time. I like Azul Queen's Garden more than Steam time. So it's above an 8.27. Let's go up a little bit. Um, Valletta. Ooh. It's okay. We have, we found the area. It's going to be somewhere in the 8.2, 8.3 region. Do I like Azul Queen's Garden more than a Valeria? Or not Valeria, Valletta. Valletta. Oh, I like Valletta so much, but I think I do like Queen's Garden more. All right. Going up, going up. Ooh. Quest for Eldorado. Oh my gosh. Nope, I like Quest for Eldorado more. Pandemic, okay. Alrighty, I've got it. Um, Azul, Queen's Garden, is an 8.3265. And that's how I would put it in between these two entries right here. And that's how I rank games. That's why um, I have so many decimal points. Because I have to give a unique ranking to every single thing. You just saw it live, in person. Oh, wait, what were the other ones? What were the other ones? Uh, Queen's Garden. Um, Imperium Classics Legends. That game would be in the high eights. That would have made my top 10 of the year. That would have been... Let's see. Is it better than Boon Lake? Yes. Is it better than Dog Lover? Yes. Is it better than Welcome to the Moon? No. So it would have been in the high 8.5s. I didn't keep it, though, because it has too much take that in it. But the gameplay is so brilliant. So brilliant. Let's see... Siege of Runadar, I thought that was a fine game, but it would be a low 7. Uh, it, it was too light and too simple and also too easy. I mean, it was a, a co-op game that just wasn't challenging enough for us. So I, I thought it was neat, but it was, it's great for families. I'd play it with my niece and nephew, but we didn't keep it. And Whirling Witchcraft. Whirling Witchcraft is a really cool game, but I played it at a higher player count, and I wouldn't want to go back to playing it as two. As a two-player game, which is how I rank every single one of these, I would have to go to the second page. As a three-player game, I would rank it, or three or more, I would rank it much higher. Because it gets. this is one of those games where you care about what's happening with a player to your left and your right. And in a two-player game, oh, the, you, my only opponent, are to my left and my right. And it works, and it's okay, but it's not as good. I would probably put it... No, no. Oh, okay. I'd probably put it... Um, around the two point th- or seven point three, seven point four, somewhere in that area. Okay, there we go. I think I've gotten all of your additional games, and like I said, uh, some of those games are already on the list because I still have them, and you can find them yourself at ranked.rado.com. All right, next question. Do do do. Um, <clears throat> top. Uh, right. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Ah. Oh, you're right, Curslinger. What about Sleeping Gods? I love co-ops. I love story-driven games. Is it the length of the game and the campaign format that was a no-go for me? There is nothing that's a no-go for me about Sleeping Gods. Here's the deal. Here's the problem. Um, actually, it's interesting. Uh, on the R&R show yesterday, there was a question that came in about um, my thoughts about big, huge, bombastic, 100-plus-hour mega games. You know, like your, you know, ever since Gloomhaven came out, they become more and more popular. You just see them, several of them coming out year after year. And how can players play them all? And what should you do? And my answer at the time was, oh, I think they're great if you buy one a year. 
and you just have to pick the right one. And you know what? If you if you miss out on one, don't worry about it because if it's really good, it'll be very popular. The publisher who can't afford to actually put them on retail shelves because these things are too expensive, the margins just won't work except for crowdfunding. They'll want to put it on crowdfunding again, so they will come up with an expansion, and next year you'll be able to get it if it turns out it was really good. So don't worry about it if you miss it. What goes around comes around. Um, but in, in in talking about that, I talked about. I what uh, what I like to do is when we had Gloomhaven, we were really into it. It's a you know a, one of these super monster games with a mo- hundreds of hours of gameplay. We for almost a year had a standing date. My wife and I every Sunday was Gloomhaven or, or Gloom Gloomhaven Gloomhaven Day uh, Gloomhaven Sundays, and we did that for months and months and months and months and months, almost never missing. And we ultimately finished the storyline, and that was great. And uh. So, I've, I've still got that, because I love Gloomhaven too much to ever get rid of it. Now I've got Seventh Continent, which I really want to put the time in. And I want to get all the way through that. And we haven't actually made a date to do it, but I would like, at some point, to start setting up a schedule so we can get through. Because I've got Seventh Continent, and I have the expansion with the hot air balloons and stuff. And I feel like, okay, before I would get into any other game, i got to do this. And that's where Sleeping Gods came in. Because, as I said, I've only got so much space on these shelves behind me, right? And um, so every year, I send a bunch of these down south to the Dice Tower West Convention Library so that other people can enjoy them. And when I am loading up one of the big, gigantic FedEx freight boxes, I'm looking for any excuse I can put any game in. And the last time I sent some out, I was looking at Sleeping Gods like, am I ever going to play Sleeping Gods until I finish Seventh Continent? No, I'm not. So, okay. So one of them has to go. Is it Sleeping Gods that'll go, or is it Seventh Continent? And the thing is, since I'd already invested in the Seventh Continent uh, expansion content myself, I'm like, okay, I've got more of a foot in that game. I'm going to put Sleeping Gods in this box. People in um, at the Dice Tower West convention will be able to enjoy it. I'll feel good about that. And somewhere down the road, I will get a chance to revisit. There's one other wrinkle to it, though. I had since played Now or Never... Um, Ryan Lockett's next big 100-hour-plus game, and I actually think Now or Never is the better game than Sleeping Gods. So actually, after I do Seventh Continent, I want to go do Now or Never. And then after that, after I've done that for months and months and months, then I can go back and do Sleeping Gods, because I'd definitely like to explore that too. So none of that is a reflection of the game. It's just a reflection of, I think, in a if you have a healthy relationship with your board games, you really don't have room on your shelf in your life for more than one or two lifestyle games that you want to keep going back to over and over and over and over again because there's so much waiting for you to see. And, uh, and that's what happened with Sleeping Gods. Brilliant design. But um, again, I do think Now or Never is superior. Okay. Um, oh, and then as a follow-on for that, it looks like I'm getting caught up with questions because uh, 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 Gadam Gray asked, "Well, am I going to finish Seventh Continent before Seventh Sentinel comes out?" Oh, definitely. Seventh Sentinel was pretty cool, but as I mentioned in my run-through for that, it is too dark. That is a very, 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 very grim, dark setting. Jen and I played the prototype, which was like the first couple of hours of it, and Jen said, "Yeah, I do not want to play this game." anymore. It is way too grim and depressing. I do not want to be in this world. So Seven Citadel is not one we're going to play anytime soon. But it's it's still really good. I You could maybe even argue that it is superior in design to Seventh Continent, because it builds on a lot of the ideas of Seventh Continent and does even more with it. Okay. Boom. Folks, I think I have caught up 
um, with the questions. And so that was it. 2021. What do you think, though? There's comments down there below. What games should I have mentioned? Uh, what were your favorites? Let me know. But otherwise, that's going to be it. And you can see me in December of 2022, probably on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, um, doing my preliminary list of the best games of 2022. You might have already even heard about some of them. But the best as always, is yet to come. And so that's it, folks. Thanks very much for watching. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Oh, bye-bye. And we are back. And although I think that's pretty much it, folks. Uh, there were a couple of other questions, but there are questions that are more kind of R&R. So, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll save those in the queue for next Tuesday when Ruel's here, and, and we'll hit those ones there. Um, let's see here. Oh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, I think that's it. Thank you very much. Um, thank you again to Paula Deming. I don't know if any Paula Deming fans have stuck it out with me this long. If so, um, thanks. I hope you enjoyed the show. And now, as is the way of twitchy twitcherness, I need to go raid somebody. And let's see, who have we got? Let's do a search for board game channels. Board game channels. Alrighty, what are Loosapalooza up to? They are playing a role... Oh, oh, oh my gosh! They're playing My City, the Rollin' Right! How do they have this? Wow, I am all kinds of jealous. Folks, My City was a phenomenal legacy game from designer Reiner Knizia. Um, My City, the dice game, I believe, is that game turned into a roll and write. They've got a copy of it. They're running through it right now. Um, go tell the losers and the paloozas that Rado says hi. I'm going to watch a little bit of this myself. I'm very excited about that. So I'm hitting the button in three, two, one, raid. Go, 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 go. And now let's make sure it all worked because I'm always afraid. I will do go to twitch.tv slash Lou. How do you spell them? Lose. Oh, I never know how to spell their name. It's funky. Lou. All right. Did it work? No. Okay. It says it worked. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. It's working. Uh, all right. There we are. Lose Palooza. They are live. I'm just coming over. Let's make sure if we get the red balloons. Oh, the red balloons. Hello. Awesome. Okay. Let's go. Then everything is good with the world. It's been a and, while uh, since we're still here you. somehow. Yeah, so nice. The show's over, folks. Thanks for watching. Whoop, whoop. We'll talk to you later. Welcome, so Raiders, on this bye wonderful bye. Wednesday bye night. Bye. We're just done oh. with rules. Bye bye, I said. For the